0: Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Awesome. I I wasn't sure if we were going to get a response. So off to a good start. Typically on the fifth Sunday, there's not this many people here. So thanks for being here today. For those of you who do not know me, um, I'm going to leave this up here. Why put that down there? My name is Alec Lloyd. Um, Nice to meet you if I don't know you already. Um, I am the Young Adult Minister and Operations Associate here at Woodridge Baptist Church. Um, It's okay if you don't know what that means because I don't think half of our staff understands what I do on a daily basis either. So (laughs) I'll let you in on a little bit of what that looks like here. On the operations side of our church, I'm in charge of our facility, whenever we, somebody wants to rent out our facility and know what's going on here, they talk to me. I build a lot of communication and relationships with our community partners. Um, and then also a lot of church-wide projects fall under me. And so things like Fall Festival, I'm really involved in. Um, the new furniture on the atrium, if you don't like it, um, you can email Matthew Dillingham at mdillingham at woodridge.org. If you do like it, I'd take a high five later. Um, But that's that's the operation side. The young adult side of things that I do, um, that sort of breaks off into two groups. So we have our college age group, so 18 to 22, 23. Um, And then we have our 23 to whenever you don't feel like a young adult anymore. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be the one to put a a label on young adult and get in trouble for that later. So if you ever want to come hang out with us, our college group meets on Tuesday nights. Our young adults meet on Monday nights. And we would love to have you join with us. So the last time that I did, like, a pulpit fill-in, I made a mistake. And so I want to make sure that I don't make that mistake this time. So it was about two years ago on on Christmas, December, over at Summer Creek Baptist Church, I did pulpit fill-in, and I um, introduced all of my houseplants before I introduced my then-girlfriend, Katie. So this is my now wife, Katie. (laughs) Yay! Yes, so I've learned from my mistakes. I am married, been married for a solid four months. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) And we are crushing it, I think. She's actually out of town this week, so it's okay. I've been out of town a lot this summer. Um, But we're also really excited because Katie, um, I don't know if you don't know who Katie is, she works at another church in the area, but just recently she got a new job, which means for us, for the first time in four years of being together, starting next Sunday, we will get to worship together here at Woodridge and we are super excited. Yeah, yes, we are, we are very excited to get to, to worship together with y'all um, and make this our church home. And so we are, we're really looking forward to that. So you might be wondering, why is Alec here? What's, what's Alec doing on the stage today? Typically he shows up and does the time of giving for about 30 seconds as quick as humanly possible and then gets back off the stage. But a couple of years ago, I guess about a year and a half ago, I talked with Pastor Jeremy and I said, hey, I wanna be challenged. I wanna be better at communicating. I want to be a better communicator. I wanna try you know, talking in front of bigger groups. And he said, okay, cool. You wanna preach on a Sunday? I said, oh no, that's not what I wanna do. <laughs> so here we are, July 31st, preaching on a Sunday. <laughs> Um, but Jeremy encouraged me to preach on something that I'm super passionate about, something that um, is easier for me to talk on, something that will be easy for me to, to communicate to all of y'all. And so for me, that thing is community, obviously, it's on the screen. Um, so we're going to talk about community today, but what that isn't, I'm not over here to talk about community within like your relationship with your spouse or your significant other. I said I've been, only been married for four months I not here to give a sermon on marriage. I'm talking about the community that you live in um, with your friends, the, the community that you live in on a daily basis, the people that you see most often, guys, the guys in your life, ladies, ladies in your life. What does that look like? And what does biblical community look like? Because here in Kingwood or here in 2022, we have this idea of community that might not be super biblical. So I want to start off with a story, but I've got to go back a little bit in, in time, but I promise all of this will tie together. So, I grew up in Kingwood. I've been here my whole life. Um, graduated from Kingwood High School in 2011, and then went to the University of Maryhart and Baylor. Okay, okay, got a couple. Woo, go crew. With went to the University of Maryhart and Baylor, and I graduated from there in 2015. And so, um, I, started, I accepted a job to work here at Woodridge in our student ministry department that same year. The year I graduated college, I um, was coming home on the weekends starting in March of that year. And I was really excited to come and work at, at Woodridge. And I was excited to start my ministry, do full-time ministry. Um, you know, I had a great four years in college. And then I moved back to Kingwood. I moved home. Well, not technically home. My parents had moved outside of Kingwood. So I came back. And I stayed with a a few different families during that time who sort of took me in and helped me to get my feet wet in adulthood and and not have to pay all of the big bills just yet. So super grateful for those people. But during that time of transition, I I spent four years in college and I went to a small little Baptist school, about 3,000 people strong, about the same size as Kingwood High School. I mean, it was great. I was surrounded in community. I was surrounded with people 18 to 22, all sort of in the same walk of life as me. We all sort of had the same morals, same ideas, um, same thing that was driving us. We all were pursuing an education for the most part, trying to get our college degrees and go off to be adults in this world. And then I moved back to Kingwood and my community sort of got flipped upside down. I wasn't surrounded by 18 to 22 year olds in case you're wondering there's not like a slew of those just walking around kingwood it was more i was my community had become friends my my friends were people who had kids my age kids older than me kids younger than me but everything had sort of changed for me in regards to my community And, and so I was focused on my community at UMHB. That's what I wanted my community to look like. But the Lord had placed me in a different community, a place for me to dig in and to grow deep and to see what this effort that I had to put in to make this community happen. So, so I had this big transition and I was excited to come here and excited to start working, but my community was tough. I didn't know necessarily what it was that I was going to do. And the thing is, we've all been called to live in community. Like it says on the screen, community, it's, it's not an option. It's not a, oh, well, I'm an introvert. I don't want to live in community. That's fine. There's plenty of introverts out there, and good for you. That's, that's awesome. You're still called to live in community. We see it throughout Scripture in multiple places that Jesus has called us to live in community together. And I want to look at the disciples. So in Matthew 4, don't, you don't have to worry about flipping there. We'll get to the verses that I want to flip to later. I'm just going to run through some of this. Matthew 4, Jesus calls two sets of brothers. Um, he calls um, Simon, also known as Peter, and Andrew. And then he calls James and John. I'm going to pause there real quick. I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you have siblings. Um, I have four siblings. I've got two brothers and two sisters. And I think that if Jesus were to call me and say, okay, Alec, um, let's let's— you know, bring your brother and, and let's go live in community together. I think I'd probably say, mm, I love my brothers. Let's be very clear. I love my brothers. I just don't know if I would want to live in community with them again. I've, I've done my time. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> I, uh, I did, I did plenty, plenty of time with them. But then later on in Matthew, in, the, in chapter 9, we see the call of Matthew. And then throughout the Gospels, we see the call of the disciples. But we get to Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4, and this is what it says. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So Jesus calls 12 different disciples to live together in community. All of these guys, different backgrounds, the only thing that they had in common was their geographical place and the fact that Jesus called them to be disciples. You have, you know, two sets of brothers. So sure, they had some things in common, but in all reality, I look at me and my brothers and polar opposites. We are, we are nothing alike. If we stood next to each other, you wouldn't even think that we were related. But all these guys lived in, communi- in community together. Their similarities began and ended with Jesus and their location. And the interesting thing that I find in these two verses is that there's only two disciples that have qualifiers with him. So we have Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. Of the tax collector, Matthew, he's on Rome's, Rome's payroll. He's making some big bucks, doing his thing. And then you have Simon the Zealot, who Zealots weren't necessarily the biggest fans of Romans. They may or may not have killed a few here and there. They weren't best friends. But here they are living in community with one another. So, so Jesus called these people to live together in community no matter their differences in how they were living or what they, how they were brought up in certain aspects. I can only imagine how awkward Sunday night dinners probably were for this group of guys. Thank you. I'll take the laugh. (laughs) I needed a water break, so I was just hoping. Um, so, but we live in a world 2022, we live in a world of social media. We live in a different age. We live in a world of connectivity and we love to be connected. We have an innate desire as humans to be connected to the people around us. We want to be in community. But the thing is, social media isn't community. You know, whenever I was in middle school, there was this thing called MySpace, for those of you kids who don't know. And and that was my first experience with social media. And I was in middle school, and at that point in my life, my mom said, nope, we're not allowed to have social media yet, and I said, you got it. So naturally, I went over to my buddy Nick's house and created a MySpace, (laughs) sorry. Um, And and so that was my first introduction into social media. But it's changed so much since then, right? I mean, I had to go do it on a computer at that point in time. Now it's all on my phone. We have Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Be Real. And and honestly, it's continuing to change. Social media, I feel like every day there's a new app. There's something new to learn about social media. But we love being connected with those around us. Um, So while I was preparing for this sermon, um, this I'm no Pastor Jeremy. It takes me longer than a week to prepare something like this. And so two weeks ago, not this last week, but the week before, I was on a high school mission trip. And so I was prepping for this, and I was going through the social media portion of it, and I was like, okay, well, let's, let's do a poll. So I had 38 high schoolers with me, and I asked, you know, a couple of them. I know that my math isn't going to be perfect here, so Rex, I'm sorry if my average is... It's, it's, a, it's a straw poll. It wasn't a great deal. So, so I asked a couple of them, how many followers do you have on Instagram? How many people are you following? So I did some simple math, um, I think I did it correctly, um, and average out, so um, does anyone want to take a, oh, I didn't plan on this, does anybody want to take a guess on how many people we were averaging our high schoolers are following, or connected with? 300. 300, 600, okay. So our students, our high schoolers, were averaging, oh, 842 people that they're connected with on social media. That's a ton of people, which is great. I mean, in all honesty, my Instagram is probably around the same. But then I got to thinking, I was like, Alec, this sermon isn't just for our, you know, millennials and our Gen Z. This is also for our adults. So what did I do? I decided to go peruse Facebook and look at some of y'all's Facebooks and see how many people are you friends with on Facebook? <laughs> so does anyone want to take a guess on how many people our average, again, average church member? I, I did a, a poll of some random ones. How many people y'all are connected with on Facebook? 986. So, yeah, this isn't just a, you know, millennial and Gen Z thing that we are wanting to, live and connect, wanting to live in community, wanting to be connected to people. We have an innate desire as humans to be connected with those around us. But we can't be close to all of them, right? Like, I mean, I can't be close to 842 people. Like, that's just physically impossible. I, think, I mean, I tried, like, I don't know if I could come up with a list of 842 people that I actually know. And, and, but, but we have this desire and, and I've tried, you know, Katie gets mad at me because, you know, every night it's like, oh, I'm going to go play tennis or I'm going to go play pickleball or I'm going to go bowling or go grab lunch or whatever, this and that. But I can't actually genuinely be in community with all of these people. But that doesn't mean we can't have close relationships with these people, obviously, because if that were the case, I mean, five of my six groomsmen that were in my wedding don't live in Kingwood on a regular basis, but they're still some of my best friends. They still know what's going on in my life, but I don't live day-to-day life with them. I can't go to late-night Whataburger with them on a regular basis, although I probably shouldn't go to late-night Whataburger. Anyways, um, but we can all agree that we've been called to live in community, right? We see that in scripture. We see Jesus has called his 12 disciples to live in community together, and that doesn't mean that, oh, we don't have to live in community. He's just showing us what he did. No, no, we're, we're called to live in community like he lived in community. And I think we can all agree that connectivity does not equal community. We love social media. Social media is fun. I mean, I, lo- I love getting to know what my sister who lives in Chicago, what she's up to. I love getting to know, I've got a friend who lives in South Africa. I like to know what she's doing. But, but I can't be close to all those people all the time. Those aren't the people that I live in community with. So, what does biblical community look like? I guess that's, that's the question now. And like any good Baptist preacher, I've got three points for us. So I don't, I don't know if that's, that's a thing for, I don't know. Baptist preachers have three points, I don't know. Anyways, first point. <laughs> biblical community requires physical closeness. So while I was getting ready for this, I decided to look up the definition of community. Definition of community is, Community is a group of people living in the same place or having particular characteristics in common. Fair enough. Same, living in the same place, having particular characteristics in common. I think a church is a great example of community or should be a great example of community. Let's take Woodridge for example. Here we are in the back of Kingwood. For the most part, we're all geographically close. We're all in the greater Kingwood area, Kingwood, Humble, Itascacita. We have a couple Huffman, we have a couple New Caney. I'm sure I'm missing some other people as well. But for the most part, we're, we're all geographically close to this building. And second thing, we all have a particular characteristic in common. We're all pursuing Jesus to some extent or another. Maybe some of us don't know who Jesus is, but we're trying to know more about him. Um, or maybe some of us have had a long relationship with Jesus, but we're trying to grow closer to him. Acts 2.42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Whenever I was working in student ministry, this was a big verse for us. Um, So much so that part of this verse was on the back of our t-shirts for a while. Um, And the part that was on the back of our t-shirts was to the fellowship. The word fellowship in Greek um, is koinonia. And this isn't just, you know, your basic, okay, I'm going to lunch with these people who I see every day at work. But these are the people that we are spending intense time with. We are sharing everything. When you look in the the book of Acts, you see how the church was sharing everything that they had with one another. And we, we can't live like this with people who aren't physically close to us. You know, we've gotten really good at Zoom. We've gotten really good at FaceTime. We went through the global pandemic Are going through the global pandemic, whatever. Um, We, and so, you know, yeah, I can go home and if I really want to, I can sit down and open up my laptop and start a Zoom call and pull out my dinner and just, all right, I'm breaking bread with people right here in fellowship over Zoom, or you know, I can have a a prayer time with a buddy over the phone, which these are great things to do, absolutely, and I encourage it. Um, I do, honestly, I do that with some of my friends. I spend a lot of time on the phone and FaceTime with some of my good friends as well, but we can't always live in deep community when those people aren't surrounded by us, when they aren't close to us, when they aren't here, right next to us, physically close. So the first point is biblical community requires physical closeness. Our second point is biblical community requires vulnerability. <laughs> what a fun word. Vulnerability. Who here likes being vulnerable? <laughs> that sounds about right. We live in a world where we don't like to be vulnerable. Why are we so scared to be vulnerable? I don't know, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's scary to open up. It's scary to say, hey, this is what I don't like or this is what I'm struggling with or this is how I want to be a better person. I guess when you're vulnerable, you're admitting faults, you're admitting failure. A lot of times we see vulnerability as weakness. In all reality, vulnerability requires bravery. You know, we have to be brave. We have to be willing to say, hey, this is where I struggle. This is what's going on. This is how life is tough for me. Because when we're vulnerable, see, vulnerability leads to confession. So we're vulnerable with someone, we open up, then we get to confess what's going on in our our lives. We get to talk about how, hey, this is something that I really struggle with. Or "Mm, this is something that, you know, I want to be better about doing. Or I want to just be better in general on this list of things. But it leads to confession, and then after confession, after we say what we're struggling with in our lives, confession leads to restoration. So once we've confessed what's going on, then we can be restored through the work of Jesus. And, 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 but we can't do that if we're first not vulnerable with ourselves, vulnerable with Jesus, vulnerable with the people around us. And then restoration leads to freedom. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I don't know about you, but burdens, you know, not a fun thing, right? Like, oh, I don't I don't want to carry my own burdens, let alone I don't want to carry yours, right? We're selfish people. We don't want to carry burdens with one another. And honestly, when we carry burdens, we have to be vulnerable. We have to share that we have burdens. But to carry one of those burdens is to fulfill the law of Christ. Again, I was on a mission trip last week, two weeks ago, however long ago that was, um, and I got to have some really cool conversations. I love getting to go on student trips still um, because I get to, one, I'm not in charge anymore, so I I claim myself as the fun uncle, and I just get to hang out, and if they get in trouble, it's like, oh, hey, Rhett, here you go. (laughs) This is is your job now. but I get to go and I just get to build relationships with these guys on mission trip. And so I got to have some really cool conversations this last week, two weeks ago, um, about what it means to live in community. Obviously, I was spending so much time thinking, living, breathing, talking, community, preparing for this that it was easy for me to talk with, um, with these guys about. And so I got to have a really cool conversation about what it means to be vulnerable. I was like, why don't you wanna be vulnerable? He's like, well, I don't wanna cry. And I was like, well, "That's..." fair, but I mean, you know, vulnerability doesn't equate to crying, you know, it doesn't mean like you're gonna cry, I mean, you might, but he was like, I just, I just don't want to share what's going on in my life, like I don't want, you know, I don't want to be seen as weak, I don't want people to see that I'm struggling with this, I don't want people to see that, you know, I'm mad, or I'm sad, or I'm frustrated, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's part of it, vulnerability is letting people know that you're mad, or you're sad, or you're frustrated, but the cool thing is, once you're vulnerable with them, is they can be there to love on you, support you, and encourage you. So, biblical community requires physical closeness. Secondly, biblical community requires vulnerability. Thirdly, biblical community requires accountability. Those last two points aren't fun. <laughs> physical closeness, that's easy. I mean, yeah, I can go grab lunch with whoever, whenever. Vulnerability, not easy. Accountability, that, that's just painful, right? <laughs> Once vulnerability happens and confession happens, accountability. Is the next step. Accountability hurts, right? I can't imagine like saying, hey, like, you know, I want accountability for this. And then you get called out on it. And you're like, oh, never mind. I don't want that anymore. <laughs> accountability leads to growth. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Again, you got to have vulnerability first before you can have accountability. You have to confess your sins to those around you before you can have accountability. For me, this has been a challenging point for the last couple of years. I went through a season of life where I was like, okay, like I'm ready. I'm ready to be a better person. I'm ready to be a better believer, a better Christian, a better son, a better friend, a better boyfriend, and so I would be like, okay, I need accountability with this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got you, Alec. I got you. One of the seasons of life where all these guys said, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable. I said, okay, cool, and they never did. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't really need accountability. I'm good, you know. Never was held accountable, was never held to that higher standard, but lucky for me, over the last year or so, um, even in the last couple months, that accountability has changed. I've got guys in my life who call me out on Hey, Alec, are you spending time in prayer? Hey, Alec, are you spending time in the Word? Hey, Alec, are you getting mad when you play tennis? Or are you keeping it cool? Typically, the answer to the last one is, yes, I'm getting mad. I'm working on it. That's, again, accountability. You can all ask me now. But this has been a challenging point for me for the last couple of years. But the cool thing about it is it's led to a lot of growth. Not just growth physically and in and, and my personal life, but it's, it's led to growth in my personal life because I've got guys holding me accountable to eating better, working out. Thanks for that, all that good stuff. Um, but it's also led to growth in my relationship with Jesus because I've got guys holding me accountable to spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, living in community with one another. And see, when we do that, we're spending more time, and we're growing in godliness. We're growing to be more like Jesus when we're spending time in community. We're growing to be more like Jesus when we're spending time in the word, when we're spending time in prayer, when we're spending time under teaching and, and growing in that way. And so for me, this has led to a lot of growth in my life. But the thing is, so those three points, community requires, biblical community requires physical closeness, requires vulnerability, and requires accountability. That isn't easy. Like none of those things are like, I mean, I guess physical closeness is fairly easy. Congrats, you've all done that one. You're in physical closeness right now with one another. But vulnerability, accountability, those are tough. They're they're tough to do. And the thing is, community is messy, right? It's not always fun. I think a lot of times we have this idealistic view of what community is supposed to look like. We think, like whenever I was back here after I graduated college, my idealistic view of community was, hey, my time at UMHB, those four years, being surrounded by people who were all in the same walk of life as me, being surrounded by people who were, who were pursuing college education at the same time, surrounded by people who, who were all relatively believers in the same sense. That was my community, and that's what I wanted, but I wasn't living in it anymore, and I was just focused on this idealistic view rather than focused on what it is God had placed in front of me with new community, with friends who are have kids, friends who have kids who are my age, friends who have kids who are older than me, younger than me, all of that, friends who don't have kids but are just married. It was just a crazy different walk of life, but I was set on this idealistic view of community. I'm reading this book. um, It's called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you haven't read Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I really encourage you to read it. I've read it Many a times, I, I was initially gonna say I've read it hundreds of times, but let's all be real. We know I'm not a reader. I've, I think I'm on my third read of the book. But it's a great book. And if you haven't read it, I recommend you go pick it up. It's super small, so it's, it's an easy read. But it's all about community. It's all about how do we live in community as believers and what does that look like, living in community with one another and what has God called us to see community as? And he said, that's sort of where I got this idea of idealistic community doesn't exist, and don't be searching for it. Because God, then you're sort of telling God, hey, this is what I want my community to look like, this is what I expect you to give me as community, when he's already placed a different community right in front of you. So community's messy, it's not fun, we have this idealistic view, but sometimes it's, it's tough. So I have a story, one last story about community being messy. And I asked this person if I could share the story because, well, community takes at least two people. And so a lot of you know Rhett Dunson, right? Our student pastor here, we love Rhett. Um, Rhett is a good friend of mine. I've gotten to work with him for the last six years. Um, We office in the same sort of like office cluster. So I see him every day. Um, We work out together, we eat many meals together, we we get to spend a lot of time together, which is really cool because we get to encourage one another. We get to support one another, we get to love one another. It's, It's just really fun to get to live in community like that. However, as you all probably know, when you spend that much time with somebody, you also get really annoyed at that person, you can get really frustrated at that person, that person can make you mad. And so Rhett and I, that happens to us occasionally. We get mad at one another. We get frustrated with one another. In fact, even on high school mission trip, here we are again on high school mission trip just a couple weeks ago, I went and I did something. I left the building and I came back and I could tell, like, Rhett's mad at me. Like, you could see it on his face. He's just like, oh no, what did I do? And so after worship that night, I walked straight up to him. and was like, all right, Rhett, what's going on? What happened? What, what did I do? I want to talk through this. And so Being able to live in community, being able to live with somebody who you're vulnerable with, who you can be accountable with, leads to great growth and great conversation because I could go have that conversation with Rhett and say, hey, you know, I'm mad at you for this and I'm mad at you for this. And then we talk about it, move on. And in fact, later that night, we had a great conversation about stuff that I was dealing with and we weren't worried about, oh, that little fight argument thing that we had earlier. Because community is messy. Community isn't always fun. It can be tough, it can hurt. But community is good for us. All of this leads to growth. Being accountable, being vulnerable, leads to growth in your walk with the Lord and in your walk with the community around you. To pursue Christ likeness is to pursue community. To pursue Christ likeness is to pursue community. We see in scripture Jesus pursuing community. We see multiple times Jesus sending people out in community. In fact, we see the spiritual disciplines that Jesus used the most were solitude and prayer and community. We see Jesus in community. So, to pursue community is to pursue Christ likeness. So, what are practical ways that we can pursue community here at Woodridge? What does that look like? Well, we'll go in order. First, you can start off with grabbing food or grabbing coffee with somebody. Um, if you need somebody to practice that with, I love food and I love coffee. Give me a ring call the church office, and I'm sure we can set something up. But, but grab food and coffee. Spend time with the people around you. It's the easiest way to start living in community is to physically live in community, not live in community over social media. Second, maybe you already have that community. Maybe it's time to practice vulnerability. It's not easy to do. Vulnerability is tough. It's scary. It's hard. It's embarrassing. You have to say, oh, I struggle with this, or, oh, I want to be better about this. But Maybe it's practicing vulnerability. Maybe it's finding accountability. Maybe it's time to, you've done the vulnerability thing and maybe it's time to ask someone, hey, I need to be held accountable to this standard. I wanna live a life that is more godly and I need your help with it by X, Y, and Z or whatever that looks like, whatever that accountability looks like for you. Maybe it's time to find some accountability. Maybe it's get plugged in at church. Y'all are all here. It's great to see you. Church is more than just being a warm body in your seat at 10.50 on a Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're here for big church. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I love that you're here. But there's lots of ways that you can get involved in community here at Woodridge. We've got weekday classes, Bible studies. We've got home groups. We've got events galore. Trust me. I know I spend every day in our church's calendar, and it's insane. Find some community. We live in community here. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.